Welcome to today's edition of DHG's GrowthCast. I'm your host, John Locke, and at DHG, our strength lies in our technical knowledge, our industry intelligence, and our future focus. We understand business needs and are laser focused on company goals. In this ever-changing world, DHG's GrowthCast provides insights and thought-provoking conversations on topics and trends that address growth opportunities and challenges in the current and future marketplace. Thanks for joining us as we discuss tomorrow's needs today. The views and concepts expressed by today's panelists are their own and not those of Dixon Hughes Goodman LLP. Always consult the advice of your legal and financial professional before taking any action. Our guest today is Denny Ard. Denny is a partner and is the leader of DHG Solutions Lab. Denny, thanks for coming back today to provide us with updates on the COVID-19 related legislation. And I guess, needless to say, we've had some surprises over the last few days. Can you fill us in? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Good to be back as always. Uh, John, I thought this was going to be a quiet week. I thought that we might take a little hiatus from our weekly uh, time together and it just focused on doing actual work. But, um, y- you know, kind of the time that we planned to take a hiatus, we probably knew we were making a mistake, right? I <laughs> yeah, think absolutely. We, <laughs> Expect the I unexpected. That was the, that was the telltale sign that more changes were coming, right? So I, I'll take just a few minutes and talk about the changes that we've seen. And I think they're pretty significant. Okay. And and I, and I think they're they will uh, be advantageous to borrowers. So I think it, uh, I think all of the changes, uh, for the most part, are very good for borrowers. So, you know, we were sitting there and there was a lot of talk about uh, fixes to the PPP loan forgiveness application and the process around it. And so on May the twenty eighth, the House of Representatives passed the Flexibility Act, and we saw that come through. But we were a little hesitant just based on some of the media and the talks around that act. And we weren't really sure whether it was going to make it through the Senate or not. There was a lot of talk around senators saying, hey, we don't need to fix this. We just need to kind of step back and redo it. So a major, you know, not implement small fixes, but really redo the forgiveness piece of the PPP loan program. So we were sort of thinking that it probably wouldn't make its way through Senate. Some of the stuff I'd been reading said it was dead on arrival. So, you know, we didn't want to jump the gun on it because there was speculation about it not making its way through. Well, kind of to my personal surprise, it actually was passed by the Senate on June the 3rd. So the Senate passed the Flexibility Act just as the House had presented it. So I think it's important to note that as of the time of this recording, it's on its way to the president, but it's not. It doesn't become law until it's actually signed. So is it my, uh, by my, the president? Is it my understanding that the uh, Senate and the House version were identical? Yeah, the Senate approved what the House had approved. Okay. Uh, as far as the changes there, so thankfully they found middle ground with everything, and they took the same bill and ultimately passed it after a lot of speculation that they wouldn't. But again, I think it makes positive changes for borrowers. So I'll take just a minute and explain what those are. So, you know, if you remember back, we've talked about it before. PPP, you can have some or a portion of the loan forgiven and any balance that remained on the loan was gonna be termed out over two years. Well, the Flexibility Act actually changed that. So it extended 
the minimum terms for loans with balances after application of forgiveness from that two years to five years. So it actually extends repayment for those borrowers that don't get the full advantage or able to maximize all the forgiveness that gives them longer to repay the loan. Another really uh, massive change to this is the Flexibility Act extends the covered period for forgiveness from eight weeks to the earlier of 24 weeks after origination of a loan or December the 31st, 2020. So there were a lot of borrowers out there that got in early and the eight week covered period was already starting to end. Well, now they've kind of taken that and extended it out basically for 24 weeks from the date of the loan or the end of the calendar year. So what that does is it really should allow borrowers and really help borrowers by allowing them more time to spend the loan proceeds on the eligible costs that will help them maximize forgiveness along the way. So, you know, if you think about it, this was geared to, to keep employees on the payroll and to pay employees during this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And so what this does, the loan amount was based on two and a half times monthly average payroll. Well, this allows you to take that two and a half times monthly average payroll and extend that over 24 weeks as opposed to eight weeks. So, um, you know, it really should give borrowers more time uh, to spend the proceeds of the loan. The one thing that I would kind of warn borrowers on is you do have more time to do that, but there's reduction tests in the forgiveness calculations and those reduction tests really will also apply for the full 24 weeks. So there's a big upside giving you more time to uh, spend the proceeds of the loan, but then there's a little bit of what could be considered not as advantageous because if you, um, you've got to keep your FTE headcount, you got to keep your salary and compensation levels at the same amount for the full 24 weeks. So just something that we wanted to make sure that listeners were aware of and that borrowers knew was out there was you do get a longer time period, but your forgiveness reduction tests on headcount and uh, compensation apply for that full 24 weeks. So yeah. just something to be aware of. Now, there are a lot of companies that really, you know, had borrowed the money, had really strategized around ensuring that they were able to maximize forgiveness during this eight week period of time. So the Flexibility Act really gives you an option. You can stick with the previous eight week covered period and go ahead and get this thing behind you if you want, or you can move to the 24 week period. It's really at the discretion of the borrower. So I know some of our clients and others that we've talked to have really, they've been on the ball and they've been hustling to make sure that they maximize forgiveness. And some of them just kind of want to get this thing behind them. So they're trying right. to, you know, they're going to continue with eight weeks. They've got all their documentation in place. They've spent the funds on what they should have. And they're going to go ahead and get their applications into the lenders and hopefully get this stuff forgiven so that they can move on and not necessarily drag it out. But so, that will be a kind of the discretion of the borrower. So I do have a question around that, Denny. Uh, if someone has the original commitment for the eight weeks and they are going to take advantage of this, do they need to change any of their paperwork or initiate any communication to convert or is it automatically just convert over the 24 weeks? 
I think they probably, it will just be extended, I think, for the covered period. Uh, there may be some type of communication with the lender they need to make, because also what comes with this was, you and I had talked about before about how if they did extend this covered period, there were kind of nuances in there around payments of principal and interest could could potentially come due prior to the time where the forgiveness was approved by the SBA based on some of what the SBA did over the past few weeks, some right. of the changes mm-hmm. they made. Well, the Flexibility Act actually defers principal and interest payments. So you won't have any principal and interest due until the SBA remits their forgiveness amount back to the lender. So once the SBA kind of approves that, remits it back to the lender, if there's any balance remaining on the loan, your principal and interest payments would start at that point in time. So there may need to be adjustments to agreements to kind of have that in there. And there's probably not a lot of clarity on what should be adjusted versus what shouldn't. But if there's any questions on that, I would certainly ask the lender about that. Yeah, good advice. So, you, you know, one of the other big changes, and we've talked about this before, was, you know, there was this 75% versus 25% rule that was in there that said that, you know, 75% should be based on payroll, 25%, you know, would allow you to uh, spend your loan proceeds on these other eligible costs, you know, primarily mortgage interest, rent, utilities. Well, the Flexibility Act actually made some changes to this. And it's going to increase the limitation on forgiveness of non-payroll costs from 25% of the total forgiveness to 40%. And so I think that's a beneficial change there too. But what this really means when you look at the law is the new bill is that a borrower, what it says is the borrower must use at least 60% of the total loan amount on payroll costs or else they may not be eligible for forgiveness at all. So it provides some leniency on where the cost can be spent and how that's done, but it actually seems to provide like this kind of threshold that you've got to meet to be eligible for forgiveness. So, you know, I did want to point that out. So I think it provides flexibility. It it does maybe raise a few other questions. You know, I just wanted to talk through a couple of the highlights on this new bill. Again, it's not enacted into law, but should be very soon. I do think that it it introduces a lot more questions or or a few more questions anyway. So I suspect that the SBA will be coming out with new FAQs around some of the changes that are made here. So we'll certainly be on the lookout for those and and hopefully you'll have some more stuff to talk about next week on this. So for the listeners that are trying to stay abreast of some of these recent and pretty significant changes, I mean, considering all the things that have evolved over the last few weeks, these are some of the bigger ones. Uh, is the your website, the, the Treasury website, still a good place to go? Uh, where, where do they need to stay abreast of this? I think it is. I think that Treasury website uh, is the right place to go. Uh, you really have to look down at the frequently asked questions, and they change the date on that each time they add a new question or, or additional questions. So you can pay attention to the dates. That's also where they post all the uh, interim final rulings that they come out with. We talked about 
the 14th and 15th interim final rulings a couple of weeks ago. But that's where they update all of that stuff. So, again, I think that's a great place to go look. You know, I find myself going there quite a bit and just opening up the frequently asked questions and, you know, looking down at the bottom to see if anything's been added. I go there at least daily, normally multiple times a day, looking for anything else that might be new that's added to the site. Is it safe to say, though, that they probably won't be able to post much until the president signs the bill into law? I think that probably he, he will sign that into law and then hopefully we see some clarifications and and some of the questions get answered around that. So, yeah, I think he'll probably sign it into law and then we'll start seeing hopefully some updates on that. Um, yeah. It's sort of hard to gauge when uh, when and if uh, they're going to post any of the anything related to FAQs or anything. But, you know, this bill's been out since May the 28th, and that's when it was passed by the House. So there's been a lot of people seeing it and kind of chewing on it and thinking through it and a lot of questions that have already been posed. So, you know, if they started really kind of taking some of that and starting to, you know, digesting it and really thinking about what kind of guidance that people need out there, uh, there could be something out as early as today or tomorrow. It just depends. So okay. we'll yeah. be look out for it and I would encourage others to really kind of uh, pay attention to that treasury site and uh, take a look at the dates and and uh, just look out for updates uh, periodically on that and and watch those FAQs right <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that's where that's where the action is Denny thanks so much for taking a few minutes today and giving us some really valuable updates this was uh, significant so thanks for you and your team all the hard work that you're doing to keep us abreast of this And you've been listening to a special segment of DHG Growthcast with Denny Ard, leader of DHG Solution Lab. Thanks for joining us today, and we hope you'll tune in next week for another update from Denny and other industry thought leaders here on DHG Growthcast.